Hi, I'm Pastor Adam, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that journey. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. There are two scripture lessons this morning. First, from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 63, verses 7 through 9. I invite you to turn with me, if you so desire, in your own Bible or in the Pew Bible that is found there before you. In the Pew Bible, you would be able to find this on page 652 in the Old Testament. Isaiah 63, verses 7 through 9. I will recount the gracious deeds of the Lord, the praiseworthy acts of the Lord, because of all that the Lord has done for us, and the great favor to the house of Israel, that he has shown them according to his mercy, according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he said, surely they are my people, children who will not deal falsely, and he became their savior in all their distress. It was no messenger or angel but his presence that saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. Our second reading comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 23. Again, Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 23. In your pew Bible, that will be found on page 2 in the New Testament section. Now, after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night and went to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet out of Egypt. I have called my son. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated. And he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had learned from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children, She refused to be consoled because they are no more. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were seeking the child's life are dead. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in the place of his father, Herod, he was afraid to go there. And after being warned in a dream, he went away to the district of Galilee. And there he made a home in a town called Nazareth, so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He will be called a Nazarene. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Thanks be to God indeed. Let us pray. The work of Christmas begins when the carols have been stilled, when the star-top tree is taken down, when family and friends are gone home, when we are back to our schedules. The work of Christmas begins to welcome the refugee, to heal a broken planet, to feed the hungry, to build bridges of trust, not walls of fear, to share our gifts, to seek justice and peace for all people, to bring Christ's light to the world. Amen. Now that prayer is a variation of Howard Thurman's poem, When the Song of the Angels is Stilled. Now, Howard Thurman was a profound and prominent theologian, civil rights activist, philosopher, and writer. And originally, he wrote this poem. When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the king and the princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flocks, the work of Christmas begins. To find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among people, and to make music in the heart. The work of Christmas begins. And there are so many new beginnings that we feel within our souls today as we embark upon this new year. So many folks, probably many among us today, feel that today is a day of possibilities. We may have made a resolution to eat better, to start exercising more, to spend less money, to do something that will improve our lives that might make us a better version of ourselves. And if that is where you are today, that is wonderful. Life is about transformation, it's about healing, it's about renewal. And at the same time, I wonder if we could take a moment to consider or to imagine what it might look like if we received God's invitation to begin a new work within us today. If our intention is to receive the new beginning that arrived not at midnight when the ball dropped in Times Square, but the beginning that has always been and yet arrived as one among us in a stable just a week ago, as we sang Silent Night and Joy to the World, and we welcomed the King of Kings into our midst. What if that new beginning was the invitation we received this year? What if we surrendered what serves us to what serves God, and we intentionally embrace the work of Christmas to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among people, to make music in the heart. The work of Christmas echoes Christ's mission in Luke 4 and the words of the prophet Isaiah in Matthew's gospel. Perhaps you're thinking this morning, Pastor Corey, those words sound really nice, but I've already ordered my yoga blocks off Amazon, so my New Year's intention has been officially finalized. And maybe we aren't feeling like we have capacity to receive this invitation. It's, it's a daunting one. It's full of twists and turns and unexpected detours. Mary, Joseph, and Jesus didn't anticipate becoming refugees and fleeing to Egypt to escape the violent pursuit King Herod. 
You see, this invitation isn't glamorous. It begins among animals in a dirty stable, and it serves the least. This invitation isn't proud. It won't bring you more Instagram followers or more likes on Facebook. It got Jesus run out of his own hometown. And this invitation isn't lucrative. It will not make you money. Instead, it'll cost you absolutely everything you have. There are a lot of things this invitation isn't. But there are a lot of things this invitation is. This invitation brings healing. This invitation brings peace. This invitation brings love. This invitation brings hope. And this invitation brings joy. Not all at once and not always. There will still be brokenness experienced and conflict and hatred and despair and sorrow. But this invitation that begins the work of Christmas within us, it promises us and it reminds us that despite all the suffering we endure, life prevails. Resurrection conquers all death. The work of Christmas is the new life that is being born in us through the work of Jesus Christ, who comes into the world and is inviting us to participate in bringing about God's kingdom with him, to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among people, to make music in the heart. What if that's the new beginning that we embrace today? That we surrender our lives to the one who surrendered his life in an act of unconditional love for us. There are so many ways we can join in this work, that we can receive this invitation, and there are so many ways that Christmas can begin within us. And I invite you on this first day of our secular new year to take time to pray and meditate on what that might be for you this year. You are even invited to meet with one of the pastors here at Orange, and we can discern together. You can explore. There are so many opportunities. You could join a small group. You could volunteer with porch. You could make a note in your phone to pick up extra items for backpack buddies or share the love bags. You could offer to be a mentor for the youth. You could invite somebody to worship. You could serve in worship. You could become part of one of our teams at church, an usher. You could make coffee before we begin on Sundays. You could reflect on what your family might be able to give this year toward the work of the church and return your pledge card. I know Tiagan and I are having that conversation this week. And as we take time to discern how we might receive that invitation to begin the work of Christmas in our lives, we're reminded that the act of reflection is powerful. It's so powerful that scripture does it consistently. In our passage that Pastor Adam read from Isaiah, the prophet asked us, to recount, to recount the gracious deeds of the Lord, the praiseworthy acts of the Lord, because of all that the Lord has done for us, all that God has done according to God's mercy, according to God's steadfast and abundant love. So as we contemplate this invitation, the prophet Isaiah encourages us to recount, to reflect upon the ways that God has already been present in our lives and to offer thanksgiving for it. Because thanksgiving, gratitude, it's a spiritual discipline. 
It's a transformative tool in our journey of discipleship because it takes the ordinary bits of our lives and it makes them sacred. When we reflect upon our lives and we offer our thanksgiving, our ordinary experiences become holy. When we offer a blessing over a simple meal, it takes food and declares it holy. The ordinary becomes sacred. And it's the same with our lives. When we realize the living of our ordinary lives is a sacred act of holiness that we get to participate in with the living God to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among people, to make music in the heart. So maybe yoga blocks are the invitation you're going to receive this year. I've got yoga blocks, so I get it. But maybe there's another invitation beckoning for our attention. An invitation to allow the work of Christmas to begin and continue in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that invitation begins right now. As we celebrate this ordinary meal of bread and wine, becoming sacred in the act of communion. May we intentionally bring forward all of who we are and receive that invitation to a new beginning. I invite you to pray with me as I share these words from Kayla Gregg. May the creator of time and the keeper of seasons give you space to process the paths that got you here so that you may have vision for what lies ahead. In the coming year, may you remember that you are held, known, and loved by a God of fresh starts and clean slates. May you and your family receive the gift of new mercies each new morning, and as you approach 2023, may you know deep within your soul that you don't have to wait for a new year to begin again. In this new year, may the Lord bless you and keep you, And may all your life, your fantastic, dirty, messy, holy life, be a prayer and a continuation of God's good news. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.